Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Stephen Black. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, it's yet another episode from the safety of social distancing. Uh, This time, we are watching the film Legally Blonde because it's turning 20 years old. And it's on streaming, so everyone can watch it. Uh, joining me, as always, we have someone who has seen the film and someone who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film, it is Jason Dolly. Hey, Stephen, how are you? I'm great, Jason. Uh, just for the folks at home, who are you, Jason, mm. and what do you do? <laughs> uh, my name is Jason. I um, am a cosplayer, actor, and I currently work. Uh, some of my job at Murdoch University is in uh, law and criminology. Oh, law. Yeah. Oh well, yes. then you're perfect for this because this film is I about. I guess I am. I mean, legal stuff. Alex, yeah, mm. could have gotten Alex, an actual lawyer. Wow, uh... <laughs> <laughs> too predictable. Um, yes, legally blonde. What What do you know about this film? Um, I know not very much, not very much at all. I know a girl goes to like Bond, shallow, whether she's actually shallow or not, or seemingly shallow. Girl goes to law school, tries to become a lawyer. Uh, that's about the end of it. Oh, and um, Victor Gama. Right. Yeah. So, so that's all I know. Yeah, that's that's about all I know as well because I also haven't seen Legally Blonde. So, um, <laughs> yes, I'm I'm quite looking forward to to expanding my knowledge further um, about this film. Which mm. I, I don't know if you can count this, Jason, but it seems to be a very well liked film. Anyone I've ever spoken about Legally Blonde with, they've gone, oh, that's a really fun film. Yeah, it seems like everybody who whether it's a kind of a marketing thing, because it was kind of marketed because I was, you know, a very a youngish person 20 years ago. Like it was marketed quite as, as quite a chick flick. And I don't think like there are some very good female marketed films, which I think this one fits into where it's actually quite good in general, as opposed to being of the kind of brand that they pushed it as. And so mm. I'm very kind of keen to see how generally kind of good, it is in comparison to like, you know, like Mean Girls, everybody loves Mean Girls as well. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's kind of a similar thing. Okay, well, luckily for both of us, uh, we have somebody who has seen the film. Uh, Welcome to the program, Dr. Sarah Curtis. Thank you, Stephen. Hello. And uh, Dr. Sarah, just for the folks at home, uh, I know you've both been on 25 plus episodes, but it's always good to just (laughs) reintroduce for new (laughs) listeners. Um, Who are you, Dr. Sarah, and what do you do? Uh, I'm Sarah. I am an academic researcher, teacher at university. I teach career learning as well as musical theatre, which are two wildly different things. So I guess my connection to this film is there is a musical of it. There is indeed. Um, Which I've even seen. Oh, was was the musical any good? Just just in general? Um, Okay, no, I did see it live because I first saw it on YouTube Hmm. and hated it. Okay. and then I watched it live and loved it. Oh, so mm. maybe maybe something about the liveness of the theatrical experience is um, and not is having useful. really annoying ad breaks every ten minutes. Ah, yes. Well, you know that that will happen uh, if you if you try and uh, watch them. Uh, I'm gonna just gonna say naughtily, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> in an online platform like that. But well, we'll talk about theater accessibility another time because right now we're talking about legally blonde in a vague, non-spoilery sort of way. Um, Sarah, what can Jason and I expect from the film Legally Blonde? Um, you can expect some um, badassery from our protagonist. 
um you know I came to this film quite late actually I only watched it in the last five or so years um because I avoided it when it came out uh because of internalized misogyny um um so when I you know I came to it going oh you know it's a girl power chick flick all about pink ugh um because you know the patriarchy had um really gotten to me Uh, and then I watched it and loved it uh so I throw out all of those preconceived notions about that kind of bullshit um it's a really fun film you're gonna I I think you're gonna enjoy it um it has quite a few really great feminist things to say um it has some great male characters as well um it's a fun journey um and it's great to see someone just like kicking down the patriarchy nice okay well with all that being said Mm -hmm. shall we watch Legally Blonde let's see how does it work let's shall (laughs) Okay, Uh, for those of you who are listening at home, pop in those DVDs, load up those streaming services and prepare to bend and snap as we watch Legally Blonde. Welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching Legally Blonde, and by we, I of course mean Dr. Sarah Curtis. Hello. And Jason Dowley. Not a doctor. Yes, yes, not a doctor. Not not a doctor. Well, I mean, did did they ever fix that sign on your door that had you down as Jason Dowley? Nope, they have not fixed the sign on my door that has me as Dr. Jason Dowley. In that case... I had to handwrite my sign on my door to give myself a name, (laughs) let alone a doctorate. Well, that that being the case... (laughs) I know, uh, I saw it. Dr. Jason, um, welcome. Uh, yes. We've just watched Legally Blonde. Um, <laughs> like it's hard. <laughs> uh, what did you think of it, Jason? Um, I came around on it. I very much came around. Like the first 10, 15 minutes, I'm like, and I know you're meant to in a way, but I felt like I was further, like, I know you meant to go, okay, this is dumb and vacuous and so on like that, but it, it was a hard turn for me into that to the point of like, I'm like, I don't know if I'm really going to get this. I actually said to Carmen at one point, I think I even said it to you guys, like this film's going to have to work to turn around, turn me around. And it did, it did. I quite enjoyed it. I think as soon as it's like, all right, film's going now. Like as soon as she gets to the um, East Coast, it's like, okay, cool. This is better. This has become a better film. I think... Um... <laughs> I think one of the things that's really interesting is it's exactly as um, you said, Sarah, about it sort of playing around with um, expectations a little bit. And I, I really, I, I always feel very uncomfortable with just American sororities as a concept. Um, and I, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I, okay, conceptually, they sort of make sense. In execution, they're terrifying. They um, never make sense. They're horrifying. It's a cult. Yes. Yeah, and Americans have established yeah, they're, they're themselves as being cults. Yeah, Americans are very good at cults. That's one of the things that they're great at, cults. And so I don't want to take that away from them. Cults, great again. Yeah, uh, but I don't want to take that away they already, from them. They already, they already support them. Yeah, it's more, it's more the fact that there is a community there, and just because that community is is such a weird reflection of American culture, that's the bit that horrifies me. Um, the, the fact that people are coming together and, you know, supposedly having a supportive network. And in this film, 
um, L's sorority, uh, Delta Nu, is actually very supportive, or at least, like, you know, her friends are there, yeah. got a good community. Like, I really liked that. What I didn't like, and maybe this is more um, a criticism of, of something that isn't sororities, is is the late 90s. I really got scared by... It really um, is the late 90s, though. Yeah. Because, okay, so I've got to tell you, um, okay. in preparation of this, last mm. night I rewatched 10 Things I Hate About You. Mm. <laughs> have a 90s kind of chick flick fest. And the same problems I had with this film, I was messaging as we watched it, the mm. exact same problems happened in that. Still a great film, but then suddenly there'd be something that would just be so jarring and so mm. 90s and so American, it would just throw me out of it for a second. I'd be like, oh, God, really? And then mm. I'd have to work my way back into enjoying the film. Yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely an interesting. Yeah. But, but anyway, we, we, we meet Elle. Um, she's trapped in this uh, weird cultural circle of hell uh, that is a sorority. And uh, she... She's the president of that circle she of hell. Is, yes. She's thriving <laughs> in it. But um, what, what I think is really interesting that this film does, and something that I think I really liked, is it played on preconceptions that that we have, not just, um, you know, internalised misogyny, as Sarah spoke about before, but it, it plays upon the fact that we, certainly within America and increasingly outside of America because of film culture, we have a perspective on the sorts of people who are in sororities, who are these young Americans, usually young female Americans. Um, and we have this perception that what they are doing is quite vacuous and therefore has no value but what I think this film does incredibly well is it establishes from the beginning that Elle and indeed all the people in sorority but because Elle's the focus we really only get her as the example is that Elle has incredible value um it's just that her attentions Mm. are focused in an area that we outside of that sorority don't value if you get what I mean yeah to an extent I I definitely feel that with L. I'm not so sure I feel that with her friends who literally interrupt a court trial and call everything cute, though. Hmm. Like, they're they're being, being supportive friends. They're being supportive friends, but they hmm. do come in and, like, literally it's the reason she almost loses the case hmm. is because of those friends who, you know, yeah. were more interested to talk. Like, I feel like I get where you're coming from, and I hmm. feel it's very much the case with L, hmm. who I did turn around on because, and that was the point, she does, like, become good and positive and there's I guess maybe like anything this vacuous then could have just been an endearing feature anything that vacuous now I think we would just call the negative feature and it's shorthand to hate someone I think Mm. our the way we teach or the way we have um, characters in stories now someone as vain as Elle was at the beginning or even some of her friends at the end, that would just be this sign to be like, don't even bother listening to this person at all. Like it's it's almost that kind of shorthand. Mm. And I think I think that's I think in terms of what it goes through with L, it's very good. And I do I I do quite like the idea of the sorority thing too. Like when she's doing a video, all of them are trying to help her, and that's mm. very positive. But you still can't escape the fact that the thing that has her name is Elwood's present name poetry is a paddle. Yes for hitting people for assault literally for assault Hmm. and cultural assault just just, cultural yes cultural sexual assault in a way it's like fraternities they're weird like i think they're going out of fashion at the moment which is nice 
Um, but yeah. Mm. Um, Sarah, <laughs> the character of Elle. Yeah. Um, how how was it for you, like revisiting this film um, and and seeing um, her, I suppose, progression? Because for, for, at least from my perspective, I feel like a lot of her progression was very much focused not on not on changing who she was, which is how she starts out in this film, but on her realizing her her self worth. Um, and I, I suppose that is still a progression, but it's it's not the change yourself progression that you usually see in these. Um, ugly duckling type stories to use quotation marks yeah it's interesting because the, again the first 15 minutes I was sitting there going oh god they're gonna hate this um because <laughs> I sat there reliving the reasons why I avoided this film for so long and it was mm. that sorority girl sort of everything's pink everything's glitter nothing is serious which is the whole point of the film, obviously, was uh, deconstructing those expectations, which is what I love about this film, is that it is the story of someone not just loving themselves, but realizing their own value from a society that doesn't value them beyond their looks. Mm -hmm. And she's obviously very smart at the beginning, mm -hmm. like the way that she corrects people, the way that she knows things, like the designer label, yeah. um, you know, she's obviously, you know, or she, she knows what she's talking about as a fashion designer. Um, and then she just takes that energy, um, which no one, you know, had ever thought would go anywhere, as they say, serious, mm -hmm. um, and does something with it. And what I actually love about the musical is that moment of realisation when she's with, um, oh, what's her friend's name? Um, the one who does her nails. Oh, and uh, hair. Paulette. 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 Yeah. So she's with Paulette. They've just got the dog and she has that moment of realisation of this is what law is for. I can help people. Mm. I can use sort of, you know, these legal, this legal jargon to change people's lives for the better. And that's what she's all about is making people happy. She wants to make people happy. And she thought at the beginning she could do that by being a good wife by being a good daughter, by being the most popular girl who goes around making, you know, um, doing parties because party people make people happy you know serotonin it makes people happy they don't kill people um, and that's what she thinks <laughs> she wants and then she realizes that she can help people in another way um, and she throws all her energy into that and it's really wonderful seeing that deconstruction of all the tropes as she realizes you know she starts by going for the guy and then she realizes that the guy is not what she wants she doesn't just want to be someone's wife and get, you know, um, sort of derided her entire life mm. and looked down upon for just being a pretty blonde um, and called basically ditzy. Mm. Um, and, yeah, that's where we have that um, thing right at the beginning where he can, he says, you know, I need a Jackie, not a Marilyn. Yeah. And it's really interesting that, of course, you know, he's, he's talking about <laughs> Marilyn Monroe, the quintessential ditzy blonde, but was she really? because that's the persona that she portrayed um, out there, you know, for the, um, you know, for the public, but that's mm. not who she was at all. So it's no. taking that public persona and juxtaposing it with the private persona and saying, mm. hey, um, why can't you have both? Why can't you be beautiful and smart at the same time? Because mm. you have these stories where you're one or the other, you can't be both. And they play with that by, you know, having all the law students as not made up 
they're, they're not wearing makeup. They're wearing kind of daggy clothes. Um, they, they throw some horrible names at each other um, about how ugly and, um, you know, ill-informed they are. And, you know, there's some rather horrible things said, but they grow beyond that as well, which I think is quite nice. Yeah. I'm not so, sure what point I was making with that. It was, well, whatever the point was, <laughs> it was a good one. Um, L, obviously... I'm sorry, Jason. Mm. I think, yeah, the, the, the real point is that she is already that intelligent and it's about mm. pushing herself, which she's never had to do. And the fact that she's able to, and that, I think that's one of the more positive things about it. It's like, she could easily, like, you like the characters who strive for the best and she wasn't at the beginning and then she is at the end. She hasn't essentially betrayed herself, but she does in ways of, like she she buttons down literally like you know starts wearing more normal clothes for a while and then when she finally gets back in it's the big pink outfit which is like I am going to be me but I'm going to do what I'm good at so like if you're replacing the idea of the vacuous pro-capitalist kind of things that she is and putting in whatever you want to feel as an audience it's great for that I would say too in terms of being able to go being yourself, whatever that yourself is, if it is vacuous, which, you know, not a lot of us are, some of us are, but we've also, there's other parts that if you wanted to put your love of comics or your something else that would help you. Yeah, you can, really you can love clothes and, and still be intelligent. You can, you can still have worth yeah, and I, value as a human being, even if you're walking around in bright. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's, yeah. It, I, I think I, I called it, I called it um, vacuous. I called it um to come and vacuous Forrest Gump at one point because mm. it is kind of like in terms of how people and then it ends in a very like two thousands way like a like an Adam Sandler film like it all has to end with a big crowd watching mm. something like you know the Waterboy or or Happy Gilmore so everybody can celebrate the yeah. big come from behind sporting victory even though it wasn't a sport but I mean being like laws presented as a sport in a lot of ways it's pretty much of a so sport I think yeah it still kind mm. of works. There's yeah. a winner. Yeah, exactly. there's a loser. In terms of, oh, this, yeah, it's a, and there's strategy. Yeah, and the, yeah. the victor victory of um, the court case or whatever it is is representative and, of the victory you know, the of the victor character. Garber. And the victor Garber, the, the ultimate victor. Yeah. Um, and who, the victor Garber. Yeah, who uh, <laughs> was fabulous in <laughs> this the film. To the victor goes the Garbers. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, victor Garber. It was Garber. so weird watching him be a creep. <laughs> yeah, so normally he plays this like really yeah, gentle, sweet, nice uh bad ship designer mentor or whatever, <laughs> whatever he does in this bad film. ship designer i don't know he's a spy in alias so Can like I... that's pretty hard for yeah mm. yeah he's a he's a dad in alias mm. Mm. but in this and... uh he is um he is a he's a harvard law professor who oh i'm very impressed and oh we're working on this case well, i'm a little bit cross but i'm a bit footy and then footy duddy and then he um <laughs> attempts to groom L openly and her mm. response to that and the way that that all falls out was very satisfying as a viewer for, um, particularly for, for me because I but by that point in the film I had really made a connection with uh, the character of L and I think that's partly just because mm. Reese Witherspoon is sensational in this she mm. she creates such a brilliant character who is both caricature and real person and like when she was in full sorority mode I was 
concerned that she was a bit psychotic but um as 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 this story developed and you got to know more of who the character of Elle actually was and versus who she thinks she should be um I think Mm. that 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 then made her triumph over um Professor Callahan who Victor Garber played um really just superb and I, I didn't expect it I didn't expect we'd get like a slight air bud there's nothing in the rules that says a, uh, a law student can't be um, first year can't be the can't be the lawyer you know there's nothing that says a dog can't play basketball I wasn't expecting one of those yeah. moments in this film but <laughs> it was um it was it was really great um and felt mm. very sort of pertinent for contemporary times as well I think I agree and I think the the, the point you made about how she's a psychopath at the beginning and this was the bit that just made me go Oh, I'm not going to like this film. Is as soon as she, as soon as he doesn't propose, and I think this is deliberate, but at the time it really annoyed me was the fact that the crying was so fake and so bad. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it makes weird noises. The camera keeps cutting away, and her eyes are fine. Her eyes are actually instead of she's crying, not crying. She's not, her eyes are just darting left and right like the suspicious yeah. dog from The Simpsons. Mm. Although I've got and to then, say, like, and then it cuts back to when she's walking back, and then it's like, okay, you've seen the aftermath. It's like, I didn't yeah. see the pre math. I saw a tear going down. Her yeah, eyes. there was a tear once. Mm. Kind of looked digital, if I'm honest. My, my favorite then, part of then, that scene, though, is the person in the background who just says, I'm not going to have the salad. <laughs> All right. I was like, that makes that whole scene. Yeah, yeah. Just, I, I love Warner trying to be like, it was a bad salad. Like, we've all cried over a bad salad, haven't we? Salad, yeah. Yeah, yes. And And that's the point when she finally gets emotional about other things, like uh, Paulette or other mm. things, you start to feel it more because then it's like, it's more honest reaction. Mm. It's more honest emotion than it is this caricature, dumb, kind of almost like Rob Schneider, Adam Sandler-y kind of silly thing more than mm. anything else. So when you get there, like she's, she's more genuine when she's in the law situation, when she's trying to be more honest or trying mm. to expand herself. So I think yeah. that really comes across because that bit, I was just like, oh, the hell with it. And then when she's walking and she still accepts the lift, I'm like, oh God, like that just, <laughs> that just really, annoyed. yeah. Like yeah. Just, just there, like but, principles, but- come on. Oh. She, she, I think she had those principles, but she learned to accept them and stick to them. And Mm. because she, she undenied about getting in the car, but ultimately she was still in that state of being like, she's been blindsided by Warner breaking up with her. And I think that she, her going in the car is, is just her being very much like this. It's just a little airborne. It's still good to use another Simpsons reference. Like it's like maybe we can pull this back. Yeah. If she didn't well, get in the also, car, she wouldn't be trying to chase him later. Yeah. She'd go to Harvard and do all the it other things. It also felt kind of real, though, her reaction there, the umming and ahhing and, and, and giving in from a sort of a sexual assault kind of perspective. So you see her reaction there of giving in to something that she shouldn't have. Hmm. And then later on, when Professor Creepy Face creeps on her and she says, you know what? No, I'm out yeah. of here. I'm leaving. I'm getting myself out of this situation. That, that resonated with me because when you're in that sort of situation, not sure if you, you boys have ever been in this sort of situation, nope. but when I have been in a situation where a guy is trying something on me and um, it comes out of nowhere and you're just kind of sitting there like, 
where has this come from? What do I do now? Mm. Um, you know, you have that sort of fight, flight, freeze kind of um, reaction and you don't know what to do. And, you know, sometimes you don't react the way that you should. You, mm. you get in the car um, or you think, no, this is, this is normal, this is fine. Or sometimes you do walk away, but mm. then you think, oh, was I being rude? Um, and I think that because there's those expectations of being polite as a woman, you mm. always have to be polite and you can't tell someone to f*** off. Mm. And the mm. more experience you get, the more likely you are to just say, you know what, f*** off. But mm. the younger and less experienced you are, you might say, oh, you know, maybe I will accept this ride because I shouldn't be walking. And, you know, this is going to be like a half hour walk or I can just, you know, sit it out and hope for the best and get through this. Mm. Um, so I felt I, I, that resonated with the way that she reacted both ways for me. Yeah. And mm. I mean, just, I, I don't like Warner obviously, but the, the actor that played Warner no. <laughs> um, was, was superb. Um, Matthew Davis, who, um it was just exactly the right sort of dickhead is really the only word for it um but but he played it he played it so so wonderfully and i just wanted to give him a little shout out because this film has got really great acting in it um but he made warner very unlikable in a believable way and i think it could have been quite easy for warner to be a bit uh, cartoonish and outlandish um and he he wasn't um so so props to matthew davis for some good acting work there um i, I also really love the the story the the subplot of um of paulette um and specifically her attempts to flirt mm. with um the ups delivery guy who doesn't get a name uh, <laughs> uh, this but, is a piece of meat <laughs> yeah he's, he's just a, he's just a nice smile and a pair of shorts but um he's, he's there for the ass yeah uh bruce thomas is the actor who played him um but yeah he that that whole subplot and and l's friendship and support of paulette um, no, obviously we've discussed it, established Elle discovering that her desire is to help people. But I also really liked just just what it did for Paulette and seeing this character who was clearly mm. very down on confidence, very down on herself. And, um, you know, it obviously had a, a rough run of it with her um, ex-husband or ex-partners, um, the, the breakup of that, that marriage um, or relationship. Um, I, I just thought it was really really quite well done um particularly because paulette is never shown as being lesser i guess because i feel like in other films she would have been shown as being a bit of a a bit just being a lesser a lesser person for being a high school dropout lesser so, person yeah. yeah yeah and i really just love that this film doesn't do that um even though she makes mistakes like breaking his nose, trying the bend and snap. But, um, <laughs> but, but yeah, she's, she's wonderful. I really, really loved the interactions between Elle and Paula. Mm. It's, it's such mm. a pure friendship. And especially yeah. because Elle, she obviously had such a great community at the beginning and then she gets to law school and everyone hates her. Mm. And you can see that development as she starts to win people over but like she is the sort of person who needs someone. Yeah. Um, and so she, you know, she ends up going to the place where she feels most at home, which is a nail salon and instantly bonding and going, yep, you're my person. We are now best friends and we are going to bond and I will, I ride or die. 
Like, you know, mm. she is there 100% for her friend. Yeah. <laughs> and the way she drives in that scene just beforehand, maybe die is the right word for the ride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I also do have to say the, the court case in this film was really fascinating. Like I was, I, 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 maybe I should have seen there would have been a court case in a law school drama, but um, <laughs> but when it was like a, a, a big serious murder case, I was like, okay. And I was like, okay. Oh, I, murder. I, yeah, I'm really, I'm really liking the stakes being raised in this particular way. Um, and, you know, forcing our, our characters that have issues together with um, obviously Viv being there as well. Vivian, which yeah. who I do want to talk about because I quite like that. Yes. Well, so, pl- yeah. please, let's, let's jump on to Vivian. Yeah, what, what, no, what I, you say? yeah Vivian. Oh, well, I did, yeah, I just didn't want to derail the court if it pleases um, your It, it pleases me. You, uh, uh, continue. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, I liked... I did, I mean, I'm a big fan of Selma Blair from like Hellboy and Cruel Intentions and so on like that. So when I saw that she was in it, I was like, oh, this is good. And then when she was the rival, I was like, oh no, I'm not going to get to like her. And then it turns around again on that too. And I did like her side of, I mean, we didn't get that much. She was primarily an antagonist and then you watched it kind of grow and change. But I did, I did really quite, I think maybe just because it was a real, probably the part where I really turned around this film being quite good was the bit with her and the dog, mm. where she actually comes and talks for a bit. I quite like that bit. And then she kind of does disappear for the rest of the film, apart from you just know at that point she's going to be a friend from that Well, it's interesting because they set that up um, quite well before that scene. Um, what I was watching mm. with Vivian, because uh, obviously I knew what was coming, was all of her background sort of stuff where she wasn't the focus but other stuff was happening with Warner and she's just kind of going hang on what Mm. oh you're a piece of shit Mm. and Mm. watching that realization and sort of seeing her sort of warm up to Elle and go oh you're actually a decent human being why am I with this asshole Mm. when we could be best friends Mm. and 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 watching (laughs) just the eye acting with that because that's all she's doing she's in the background just using her eyes and you're watching that realization Mm. to come to that scene with the dog and go, okay, now we're going to be friends. And they don't have a big apology cry scene. They just kind of start liking each other. And it's lovely. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's more of a nod thing than anything else, which is much mm. more of what you'd probably find more in a male film like this, like mm. just a, mm, yeah. mm, rather Bro- than like a, a breakdown. Well, yeah, I also uh, think it it's, be- it's probably what you just get in real life in general, regardless of who the people yeah. are, what gender they identify as, and all of those things, is that, oh, I was wrong, and it's too awkward for me to say, well, uh, I was wrong, so instead I'm just going to be like, oh, we have this connection, we're friends now, like like that kind of thing. Like, it's, it is rare where somebody goes, mm. you know, I fundamentally misjudged you as a person this entire time, and now I'm rectifying it. That, yeah, that as opposed just, to just coming up and talking about something else and just going, hey, uh, oh, that other thing, like, oh, yeah, I like that one too. Hmm. And then you just build from that rather than talking about the thing that caused the disagreement to start with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we've almost gone through this entire thing without talking about uh, Luke Wilson being in this film uh, as, as Emmett, who yeah. is, um, is, is very nice, but is eminently forgettable, uh, I think, aside from just being yeah, like a, a supportive uh... male role in this film. Which I think is great. Yeah. I think it's kind of perfect yes. because as, usually with this sort of chick flick, 
it would be about getting the guy, but mm. it's just kind of like a last minute, oh, by the way, they've been dating for two years. Mm. And you can see the relationship growing mm. and building, but mm. it's never front and center. Mm. And as someone who gets sick and tired of being force fed bloody romances and, oh, it's all about getting the guy at the end. Uh, it was me... so nice for it to be about her and not about their relationship. Hang on a sec. There's the asexual clacks and I need mm. to just sound that now. Just, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you are absolutely right. Even though I did just um, throw up a klaxon because um, yeah, I thought that was, it, it would have undercut the message that this film was, was trying to tell about self-value and self-belief. So um yeah, superbly done. I feel like in terms of how she grew on people, I believed it more about Vivian than I did about Emmett. Like the, like I felt like that was more of a kind of interesting relationship than the Emmett one. So at that one point, I'm like, I would prefer her to end up with Vivian more than I would with the guy. Yeah. Because it just seemed like that was a much more interesting relationship as opposed to yeah. Mr. Wow's brother. Yeah, why, mm. why does she have to end up with the bland white guy anyway? Yeah, well, you know. Yeah, I mean, exactly, I, with his floppy hair. I understand yeah. there's a legally blonde too. Maybe, maybe something happens there mm. that I don't know about. <laughs> Although mm. I do have to bring up, um, mm. because I'm not sure how many people know, but my dad was a criminal defence lawyer. So mm. I grew up sort of knowing oh. a lot about, yeah, so this is something people don't know about me. Um, and so I grew up knowing a lot about legal cases. So it's really funny watching this sort of like legal movie and just sort of sitting there and going, that's, that's not how this works. And this mm. is a big criminal like yeah. murder trial, but also in a way, some of it is like those really like sticky details of, oh, by the way, he was gay or by the way, it's a perm. Therefore she wouldn't have had a shower is absolutely how they would win that case. Mm. So I just love that, it, that they did that because looking at the details of some of the trials that, you know, my dad was on and you're just like, that is such a dumb reason to win, but I love it. <laughs> Superb. Speaking of expertise, Carmen also pointed out at one point, so you can just say you were having surgery and then that's covered by confidentiality. It doesn't, you don't have to go, it was liposuction. You can say a surgery and cut it there. Oh, so Brooke would still be in. Pardon? For uh, Brooke. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like literally her alibi can be surgery. It doesn't have to be liposuction. True. But but at the same time. Which like... is, I, I saw that coming and I was like, oh, yeah, you, you, I, I do get why they they didn't do the real world thing because it's important to show that Elle has integrity and it then makes Brooks um, firing of Callahan justified because she's like, I don't trust this guy, but she kept my liposuction thing under wrap. Like we yeah. type, we are ride or die again. So um, yeah, it's um, <laughs> yeah, I think it makes uh, beautiful sense. Would you guys like some trivia about Legally Blonde? Yes, please. I thought you'd never ask. All of this trivia is sourced from IMDb, so if it's not true, don't blame me. And the first bit of trivia is, as agreed in her contract, Reese Witherspoon kept all of her costumes after filming. I remember that one, yeah. So cool. <laughs> so she had about 40-odd different outfits in this film, and the fact that Reese got to, to keep them all um, is, is a pretty good payday, you'd have to say. Mm. I'd be down for that. Uh, yeah. Although I feel like by about 2006, it would be like, okay, these are these are done. No, some of them are actually still pretty nice. Like some of them were very of their time and others I'd be like, that's still yeah. 
Mm. I feel like, well, I mean, everything circles back. She was wearing butterfly clips at one point, which is always something that I like to see. <laughs> oh, I feel very, that memory. Very 90s. Yeah. 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 What do you mean things go in and out of fashion? We don't just wear the clothes that we buy all the time. No? Okay. If I can find some of my old butterfly clips, start wearing them again. Yeah. Mm. Fashion is a form of hideousness so ugly that we have to change it every six months. Oh, Oscar. You, you charmer. Yes. Oscar Wilde. <laughs> Uh, to prepare for her role as Elle Woods, Reese Witherspoon spent two weeks studying the behaviour of sorority girls, as she did not wish to portray the stereotypical airhead sorority image. She states on the DVD commentary that they were all very kind and polite, and she enjoyed her time with them. She also observed women shopping from the cafe at Neiman Marcus and attended law school for a day. Cute. I love it. Good mm. research. It is good research. And I, I, I do like that... The, the motivation going into this was to not portray the typical image of the airhead sorority girl, um, which we've spoken about earlier. But I think the mm. fact that that was present pre-production, I think, is um, is very good. Well done, this film. <laughs> and yeah, you could easily have just gotten away with it, too. And everyone would just been like, oh, those people, like, you know, stereotypes exist all the time. I mean, they still do now, but like it was easier to not be challenged by them back then. Yes. Uh, During the opening credits, a group of mostly guys are seen wrestling on a lawn in front of the fraternity house. These folks were actual Caltech students and were a last second addition to the scene. They showed up on the set. The row of fraternity and sorority houses featured are administrative buildings on the edge of the Caltech campus. Uh, They just turned up unannounced and were invited to join in in the filming. Uh, which I just that why they were topless uh yeah I guess I guess they were just like guys we could be topless in a film let's do it oh wrestle yeah um, Yeah. boys 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 yeah (laughs) so that was that was authentic I like how your versions of these American the your version of the American frat boys still sound like football hooligans oh yeah let's go boys 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 Yeah, but no, there they were some authentic uh, students doing uh, authentic sorority behaviour, which is probably why it was a bit weird <laughs> and creepy. And I don't know that I'd thrive in a sorority environment, mm. to be honest. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm not big on topless wrestling, just in general. So. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I would have um, survived in Delta New. <laughs> Yeah, no, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, The producers originally wanted to set this movie at the University of Chicago. School administrators declined, however, because of the scene towards the end where Professor Callahan places his hand on Elle's leg and they're worried about, Uh, you know, them saying, oh, the Chicago University uh, employs (laughs) creepers. Uh, The filmmakers subsequently decided to have the story take place at Harvard University, who had no problem with that, uh, probably because they're like, we're Harvard. What are you going to do? Not go here? Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm. Wow. While at Stanford, uh, source book author Amanda Brown uh, wrote letters back home regarding her inability to fit in with her classmates. Later, she made a manuscript based on those letters and sent it to an agent who was drawn to it because it was the only manuscript submitted written on pink paper. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, yeah, Amanda Brown, <laughs> who uh, wrote this book, it was it was semi autobiographical. Um, the the text that, that Legally Blonde was based on, and I, I do like how much of who she is in real life ended up infusing this character, uh, like the practice of pink resume paper and things like that. 
Yeah. Yeah, see, I was looking at a lot of resumes today and they were all digital, so hmm. they didn't smell good at all. But had any of them managed to send, you, send through too. email, um, do you think that that would have helped? Um, if you had sent me your resume as a pink, nice-smelling resume, it would not have changed my mind. Okay, good to know for the future. Uh, finally, we've got some potential casting options um, for for the the title role of the uh, legally blonde uh, L Woods. Um, so again, as always, whenever we bring these up, it, it's not whether or not they would have done a better job. It's just whether or not you think they could have done uh, a good a good role um, or a good job. Sorry, in, in bringing this role to life. And first up is Charlize Theron. Hmm. Cool. Maybe, I mean, I love everything maybe. she does. Every, yeah, everything she does. She's also very intense in most of those things, like Mad Max or Prometheus. But this is a different kind of intense. It's so it's still intense. yeah, but yeah. <laughs> I think it would have been hmm? potentially terrifying to to see her do it, but maybe yes. in a good way as That's well. Sexy. Yes. Yes. Undoubtedly, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. Hmm. Hmm. No, hmm. no, no. Okay, no. okay, okay. Sorry, Gwen. I've seen a lot of chick flicks from her from that era, hmm. and they're good. But no. Okay, that's fair. Uh, Alicia Silverstone. Yeah, I know who that is. Uh, from such films as Clueless and Batman oh. and Robin. Yeah, I was going to say it's, it's. It would just be Clueless again. I kept. I did realize that some of the things I thought I knew from this film. Are actually from Clueless. All ah, right. Which I watched for the first time recently. So, yeah. Oh, creepy film. Not not a fan of Clueless. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. Not a fan of Clueless. But it's still kind of creepy. Because it's. I mean, it's Emma by Jane Austen. Yeah. That's all. I mean, it is. I've always like, hated Emma hate by Jane Austen. Just going to put that out there. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's my least favorite Austen, and I like Austen but I don't like Emma. The only oh, really? Emma I liked is the 2020 version, which was excellent. Okay. Yes, uh, because they made everyone a psychopath for a bit of it. Yeah, <laughs> always works. Sure. Uh, the the mm. last actor I've got on here is uh, Mila Jovovich. Remind me? From, from the, uh, the Resident Evil Fifth films. Element. And okay. Fifth Element. I've never yeah. seen them, but I can picture her. What do you think, Jason? Yeah, you, you know who we mean. Um, uh, the only problem is I think, feel like a lot of these people have made their names like like um, Charlize Theron as kind of at least for me uh, more kind of action stars and so on. So like Mila Jovovich has a very I feel like she's most she's quite intense. While I don't feel like she fits a kind of like the huge eyed Barbie kind of um, look that Renee Zellweger kind of has. Yeah. Like, I think she's also like five foot 10, five foot 11 or something. Mm-hmm. So, like, between her and Charlie Theron, they'd be towering over people as opposed to literally, they have that tall guy who looks like Kevin from The Office mm-hmm. with her. And she is so short compared to him, which yeah. I thought was quite a nice little way to do it. I think, I think there's that. I think, like, um, yeah, like the, maybe not as rounded of features, but I mean, that, is that being vacuous or not? I don't know. But, like, if I'm honest, I don't think anybody could have played it as well in terms of its campiness as much as um, 
Reese Witherspoon did. I almost called her Renee Zellweger, which is mm. a very different actress. Well. Would have been a very different film, just uh, if it was Renee Zellweger. But um, it, was, yeah. it would have just. <laughs> Would have been like Bridget Jones's diary. Well, yeah, I mean, the kind of the film which I think I need to rewatch and give it another go because I didn't like it the first time. Bridget Jones's diary. Mm-hmm. I well, need to give it. Yeah, I think you might like it a bit more again. Mm. Yeah. Well, there's a podcast I know that can help you with that one day in the future. <laughs> um, so, all that being said, it is time for us to score the film, and Jason. It was your first time watching Legally Blonde. Sorry, I'm, I have Bridget Jones's diary stuck in my head, and I was like, "Whoops, that's that's not the film we were reviewing." I was going to say Clueless. Yes, it was your first, <laughs> it was your first time watching Legally Blonde. What score would you give it out of ten? Um, I I, I got to admit, I came around on it hard. Like it it got good and it got entertaining very. Um, very quickly and very kind of um, impressively. So I'm going to give it seven perms a year. Seven perms a year. Nicely done. Uh, what about yourself, Sarah? Seven perms a year. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I like it. It's still quite charming. There were a few problematic moments, um, but some of them, mm. some of them were deliberate um, and they made a point. Some of them were just bad language from the 90s that we have moved past, thank goodness. Um, so I think I'm going to give it eight love heart notebooks out of 10. Yeah. I love the notebook. Just, it was one of the best non-verbal gags. She just pulls out this little heart shaped notebook and with a little pen. I was like, Oh, that's, that's really funny and quite sweet for me. I really, really found myself engaging with this film more than I expected. Um, and I think that is partly because, um, Brenna, I did it. Renee Zellweger is not in this film. It's because uh, Reese Witherspoon um, is is really really good. I think it's also quite well written. Um, I think it it knows what it's lampooning and does an excellent job of misdirecting. And it's it just gave me the warm fuzzies, uh, which I think is exactly what this film is meant to do. So I'm going to give it. Um, four bends and four snaps for a total of eight bend and snaps out of 10. Um, (laughs) It was, yeah, it was, it was really lovely. So that brings us to the end of this review of Legally Blonde. Sarah and Jason, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Thanks for having us. You're welcome. And for those of you listening at home, thank you very much for listening in. Hey, hey, Legally Blonde is one of 222 episodes we've done at this podcast. Uh, <laughs> you have me have watched. Wow. Oh, you yes, yeah, Sarah has not watched any of these episodes because they're only available on audio, baby. Um but, yes. <laughs> Boom. Um, yes, there are 222 episodes plus some bonuses here and there uh, that you can listen to if you would like to. If you're brand new and you've just found us, first of all, welcome. It's usually like this uh except normally we're in the same room uh that's main that's the main difference uh so the delay's not as bad yes yeah normally jason just sits there we can poke him with a stick if he's not answering quickly enough it's it's nice and easy (laughs) Uh, but if you would like to go back and listen to our back catalog it is all there for you going back to um uh 2017 when we started this bad boy uh you can find us on itunes spotify soundcloud to um to just go back, pick the films you want, 
just just listen to it. It's it's good, wholesome fun. Uh, we're also available on Facebook, where we can be found uh, just by searching the Cinema Catch Up Club on Facebook. And there is our Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you can get some extra bonus goodies and features, uh, as well as helping us decide films to watch as we go forward. But that is all for this week. So until next time, goodbye. Bye-bye. Goodbye. You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.